Welcome in to the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Great to have you in on a Wednesday. So much to get to. Make sure you check out LockedOnBengals.com where my guy Zim makes his Locked On Bengals debut with an article about the offseason, the state of the Bengals, and so much more. Check that out, LockedOnBengals.com. As always, you can subscribe on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app, Google Play, Wherever you get your podcast, we're there, including Spotify and every podcast posted on the website as well. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked on Bengals. Joe Goodberry coming up in a, probably two minutes to discuss a bunch of stuff, including what happened in New England yesterday. But but I wanted to, to start with that because it's a, a common theme. It's something that I noticed there's a parallel between what happened to Josh McDaniels and how he spurned. And, and kind of left the Indianapolis Colts at the altar. And what happened with Hugh Jackson and the Bengals and Browns a couple of years ago? Hugh Jackson was all set to go to Cleveland, all set, had the offer. And the Bengals said, no, stay here. It's a succession plan. You can succeed Marvin Lewis. And Hugh Jackson still left. Now, whether that's Hugh Jackson being stubborn, whether that's the Bengals not being convincing enough or not sweetening the pot or his budget enough, whatever it is, Josh McDaniels goes to clean out his office yesterday in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium, walks in, Bill Belichick, the Kraft family, they say, no, 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 Josh, stay. Stay here, be part of us, hang, hang tight here. And I'm sure he got extra money. I'm sure he got assurances that he could succeed Bill Belichick in the future. I'm sure that stuff happened. And they can't put that in writing, it can't be guaranteed, but I bet you that's why Josh McDaniels left the Colts at the altar. And it's just interesting because the Bengals, what would have happened had the Bengals kept you around? I'm sure the offense wouldn't have been nearly as stagnant in 2016. I'm sure the offense wouldn't have struggled as much as it did with all of the turnover in 2016 and last year as well. And heck, right now we could be talking about a new head coach of your Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Goodberry is with The Athletic on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Make sure you subscribe to The Athletic, really good stuff. Joe makes his debut article on the 12th. Joe, I appreciate your time, as always. Thanks for joining me on this podcast. I want to get into Todd McShay's mock draft and, and some other things about some of these prospects. But first, I wanted to get your thoughts on this Josh McDaniels thing. It reminds me a lot about this, uh, about Hugh Jackson, what happened to him in the past. What are your thoughts on Josh McDaniels and kind of what he did to, to leave Indianapolis at the altar to stay in New England? And now Josh McDaniels probably can't get another job in the NFL anywhere else because of it. Because, uh, you know, that 12 o'clock change of heart there, it, it put a lot of assistant coaches. I, I Apparently he built a staff, and uh, those guys got to go look for work now. And I, almost every job is filled out there. So it's going to be slim pickings. Uh, I thought the Colts uh, did read a, report, read a report that they will honor those contracts. But yep. by doing that, that also limits your search as head coach because, most guys want to bring in their own staff, and now half the staff is already completed. So we'll see how that works out. But like McDaniels, Hugh Jackson may never get a head coaching job again in the NFL either. So it's kind of interesting how that played out. But you're right. they uh, it, it's, it's got to be a secession plan in place because I don't know what would, you know, other than the Colts being completely, I mean, you look at the roster, and, and they have a lot of holes. They're far away from competing, and we don't know the status of Andrew Luck right now. Outside of that, there's only 32 head coaching jobs. You take them normally when they come available. So uh, it's interesting that this happened. And, you know, I think that's that's probably a good move for the Patriots. If they see that they keep losing offensive and defensive coordinators, you know, every few years, 
And at this point, if Bill Belichick's only got a, a year or two, we don't really know. But if that's the case, yeah, McDaniels is probably the right guy to, to take over after, after he leaves. Joe Goodberry is our guest. He's with The Athletic. Give him a follow on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, yeah, I, I just I look at it, and they are going to honor the, the contracts. But to me, I just wonder what if. What if the, the Marvin Lewis is? In, because Hugh Jackson went to the Browns. They couldn't convince him, hey, Hugh, here's where you should stay. Here's where you should be. And you'll be able to, to have success either succeed in Marvin. I assume right now Hugh Jackson would be in his first year as head coach of the Bengals. And they yeah. were unable to get that done. And yet Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. I mean, it is National Signing Day. The, 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 Patriots, got, <laughs> the, the Patriots got Josh McDaniel to, McDaniels to flip, as we've seen a lot of recruits from high school True. to college do. <laughs> Yeah, and I wonder because we don't know the money part of it um, from from either scenario. So I, who knows if that played a factor in it? Um, you know, for the Bengals, that they were coming off successful seasons. At that point, you could have imagined Marvin keeps rolling, the roster stays good, uh, the core talent is there and remains to be a good team. Yeah, that that had to have been an attractive option for Hugh Jackson. It, it is. Surprising that that wasn't the way it went, and I, I agree with you. He'd probably be in his first year. We'd probably be excited, I think, because uh, – and, you know, who knows? Because the Bengals' offense was good with Hugh Jackson, so maybe the, the last two years would have went a little differently. Joe Goodberry is our guest. Joe, yesterday – and I put it on the blog at ESPN1530.com slash James. I, I Todd McShay released his mock draft, and I, obviously you watch every clip, watch all the, these, these guys and, and prospects – he has him taking Connor Williams, a tackle out of Texas. Uh, earlier today, I talked with Rocky Boyman, who, who covered Connor through multiple broadcasts on ESPN, and he's not a fan of him with the 12th pick, not a fan of a Big 12 offensive lineman in the first round again. When you've watched Connor Williams, what would you say about him if the Bengals did get him with the 12th pick? Ignoring who else could have potentially been picked at that spot, because looking at the mock, there are, it looked like there were some good players remaining. Um, some of my favorite favorites, even Roquan Smith, the linebacker from Georgia. If you just tell me they come up with Connor Williams, um, I would have reservations. I wouldn't feel it's a slam dunk pick by any means. I think the tackle class uh, is missing that really good prospect, and he may be the best tackle. I know a lot of people feel that way, but when you watch the tape, especially 2017, and he, to his credit, he was coming off of a major knee injury uh, and trying to get healthy. He got beat uh, often and consistently. He didn't look like the same guy he was in 2015, 2016, and there's going to be a little bit of a leap of faith there. If you're, if you're saying he's the guy he was two years ago, uh, yeah, he probably goes top ten every year. But a lot of people say he may just have to be a guard now, and I don't know if that's due to a little bit of loss of athleticism or – or, or you know, he just doesn't look like he's got that type of uh, that blindside protection. Plus, I would say there's a few guys like that. I don't think Orlando Brown, the offensive tackle out of Oklahoma, is that left tackle franchise pass protector. While he may be a huge, mean road grader at right tackle, uh, I don't. You know, when you look at these guys, and, it, and that includes Mike McGlinchey also out of Notre Dame, he's probably the best one. But I'm not sure he's. Uh, complete stud, if you know what I mean. He's, he's good. He gets beat, of course, uh, but he's probably the best one there. I think if you have a chance at, a, at an elite prospect, they shouldn't just hone in because the Bengals need offensive line. It's easy to pick that now before free agency because 
let's face it, they're going to have to sign somebody in free agency on the offensive line. I hope. They're also going to have to invest. Right. We, you, they, they better, but they, they had to last year, and they came with Andre Smith. So, um, <laughs> and then you go into the off, and then, and then the, the draft, you, you think they got to draft two guys in the top four rounds on the offensive line, which kind of felt that way last year, and they spent a fifth-round pick that never played on the roster. So, uh, yeah, I think all signs point to offensive line, but Connor Williams, I wouldn't be – extremely happy with it. I think there's a, there's a lot of comparisons to be made with Cedric Abwehi with him because uh, he's the kind of guy that you, people stop evaluating when you know you have an injury uh, as a prospect. You say, well, if he was healthy, he'd play better. But that's not always a given. I think guys go get under the microscope this last year in college and then through the draft process. And if you always have that injury out, it can convince a lot of people that he can be better than what he showed on tape. And I, I don't think his tape was very good this past year. Joe Goodberry with The Athletic. He is our guest. I'm James Erpine in for Mo today here on ESPN 1530. Yeah, Joe, I look at this, and I just I don't want the Bengals, and it feels like it, and, and I was hoping for change, and Marvin talked about change early in January when he was brought back. I don't want it to be the same. I don't want them to take an offensive lineman at 12 just to take an offensive lineman at 12 and, and, and plug their biggest need. Like, there's no denying that's their biggest need. But... Ultimately, if you get the pick right, it doesn't matter what position it is. It doesn't matter what position they draft. And that's why I want them to look at every single position, including quarterback. And honestly, they might benefit from so many quarterbacks going early. Todd McShay has four quarterbacks in the first six picks. If that happens, there's going to be a really good to great prospect available at 12. They won't have to trade up. It might not plug their biggest need in offensive line. But they can do that later. I, I think about last year, everyone talked about their pass rush and how it needed to get better. And they wanted a pass rusher at nine or in the second round. Bengals waited till yep. rounds three and four, plug those needs, at, at least improve them a decent amount, a significant amount with young players. And they did so while also adding a stud running back and what they thought was a stud wide receiver. I think they can do that again this year with the offensive line. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you. And, if four quarterbacks go in that top 10, top 12, uh, that's really going to help the Bengals. I, I think Roquan Smith, the linebacker, we've talked about him before. If he's there, he's a perfect fit. But I also, linebacker from Virginia, um, yeah, Tremaine Edmonds is another athletic linebacker, but he's about 6'4", 240, 245. Um, so he's a big guy. Some people listen him as a defensive end or an edge player. He played outside linebacker in a 3-4 at Virginia. And um, he looks like an inside linebacker to me that can – come downhill and, and, and hit and shed blockers, but he's got a lot of athleticism that flashes on tape. He's another guy that could be there for the Bengals. I think maybe a Derwin James, a safety out of Florida State, while I don't love him, uh, he was used in a variety of ways. I don't think the Bengals need a safety, but I think if you find a guy that was uh, a decent enough upgrade, it could make the entire defense better. And then finally, there is an elite prospect on the offensive line in Quentin Nelson, out of Notre Dame, but he's a guard. And if the Bengals did have a strength on the offensive line right now, and it's a weak strength, it'd probably be a guard because you've got 700 snaps out of uh, Trey Hopkins. What you saw, the flashes out of Westerman and Redmond at the end of the year, um, give you a little bit of hope that, that maybe one of those guys can be a starter. But you don't pass on Quentin Nelson either because he is maybe the best run blocker I've ever seen. He, his awareness and his pass protection is top-notch. He's nasty and filthy. He drives guys into the ground. He's got great movement skills. He's big. Uh, you don't pass on him. And it, it would be 
too good to be true if he was somehow still there at 12. In fact, I'd even consider moving up for him a couple spots if that was the case. If you really wanted an offensive lineman and the difference between getting Nelson at number nine or getting Connor Williams at 12 was the difference between a third-round pick, I'd be willing to move up and get him because I think the gap is that big. Uh, but you're right about the second and third rounds. I think it's very, very deep, especially on the interior of the offensive line. Uh, especially at center. The Bengals may have a need at center. I hope they have a need at center by not re- ex- extending or resigning Russell Bowden. But if they do, there's probably four, maybe five guys that go in that day two range that I think are day one starters at center. And uh, it, it's such an easy opportunity for them to upgrade at that position and get and hopefully get better and get more athletic there. I can't see that uh, they they take the route of resigning Bodine. If, if they after they get a look at this draft class, and saying, man, those guys at day two are going to be day one starters for us. Uh, that would be an ideal situation for them. Spending a few more minutes with Joe Goodberry. Joe's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, obviously you watch Super Bowl 52. Uh, there's so many different angles here, and, and obviously the, the, easy, the easy way to look at it is, well, Philly went out and they signed all these free agents, and they, they overhauled their roster, and it, it leads to all, uh, a bunch of success. And, and I totally understand that. Odds are the Bengals aren't going to do that. One thing I think they could do, and it, it's it's not just the teams that were in the Super Bowl, but it's just it's teams across the league, whether it's the Saints, the Patriots do it, is use their running backs effectively. It, it, you tell me, you watched every snap, you've watched every snap of Giovanni Bernard's career. Can he be that Corey Clement type back where you, you put him out on the uh, on the outside at wide receiver and send him deep and he catches a touchdown? Because I think Giovanni Bernard has more to offer. Uh, It's proof that Rex Burkhead had more to offer when he was here and they didn't use him. Joe Mixon, I think a lot of people were really, really high. A lot of evaluators this time last year, high on him, liked him more than Avin Kamara. We saw what he could do. Obviously, the Bengals need to improve their offensive line. But I think if they're going to have success in 2018, it's about building around that running game and using and getting the most out of Giovanni Bernard and Joe Mixon. That's one of the most amazing things about the last couple of years, and especially when they had uh, a lack of talent at wide receiver, if you will, and then the tight end goes down in Tyler Eifert. Those catches got to go somewhere. Those targets have to go somewhere. And their lack of creativity with the running backs is startling when you look at it again and realize that you've got Gio Bernard, who's been a third down back and a really good one for a long time now. But Joe Mixon as this maybe more potential than Bernard is receiving back. If you go back to his Oklahoma tape, it's insane. They would split him out wide. He'd run wide receiver routes, run slants, and really get separation and run after the catch, obviously, make crazy one-handed catches, uh, catches over DBs. He is he should be a guy that could see 80 targets a year at, at, at running back. Um, when you see wheel routes, this whole playoffs, I kept them, every time someone ran a wheel route, I noted it because I don't think the Bengals did it once with their running backs. And it's just insane to think that with the talent they had, uh, they didn't use these guys. And that should be a focal point going forward. I hope it is because that is a strength on the, on the offense, on an offense that doesn't have many positives. So, uh, yes, they could be that. I think if the Patriots had Giovanni Bernard, they, he'd look better than Deion Lewis. He'd look better than Rex Burkhead and and and, and James White. Even I, I, you know, he would be their best back in New England, and he'd make them look like it. Uh, at, same with Joe Mixon. Obviously, I think Mixon has all the potential in the world. So I'm in a full agreement with you, especially if they don't bring an addition at, at wide receiver and potentially don't bring one in at tight end, maybe a rookie in the mid rounds. Those targets, those those 
those catches have to go to the running backs for high percentage plays. Uh, that can be explosive, and the Bengals need to start using them that way. Joe, final question for you, and we started with the Josh McDaniel stuff. Could you imagine? I, because, honestly, you know what Mike Brown's probably thinking today is, see, you guys wanted me to go get <laughs> Josh McDaniels and see what happens. I'm playing it safe with Marvin. But could you imagine being a fan and that happening to you? I guess it's good and bad. It's bad because, obviously, Josh McDaniels is a heck of an offensive coach and you pair him with Andrew Luck. But you don't want to get married to someone who doesn't really want to be married to you. So I, I get both sides of it, the good and bad of it. How would how do you think you'd feel as a fan if you were a fan of the Colts today? Well, I would have been extremely happy had they somehow landed Josh McDaniels. So I, I imagine Colts fans were through the roof at the idea. Um, couldn't be any happier, only to find out that he's – Going back on it, man, it'd be heartbreaking. You'd be crushed. Uh, but I also don't think the search is over. I mean, look at Doug Peterson. I remember he wasn't the first option for the for the Eagles. They wanted a couple other coaches. Uh, they they fell short. It was earlier, I believe, in the in the process. But still, you end up on your third guy sometimes, and it's the right fit. I remember the Buccaneers back when they were looking for a coach, and they interviewed Marvin Lewis, and they ended up trading for uh, John Gruden late. It was. I want to say it was March by the time they made that trade, and it was the right call. Obviously, they won the Super Bowl the following year, but uh, so it's not over yet for them. While I think McDaniels was a, one of the best candidates out there, sometimes it's a guy you don't know that well. Maybe it's a guy that a lot of people aren't going to be very fond of, like a Doug Peterson. You go back and look at what, what a lot of people wrote. Uh, they ranked him as one of the worst signings that offseason, and now – Teams will line up for Doug Peterson and his disciples, Frank Reich, and uh, Filippo is going to be the coordinator for the Vikings, it looks like, the quarterback's coach. So uh, sometimes it's not the name. It just ends up having good results. He's Joe Goodberry with The Athletic. Make sure you check him out on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time as always, and hopefully next time we talk, we're talking about the uh, the Bengals with some free agent splash signing. How about that? Or Agent McCarron, good news, right? If he's that, restricted, and actually, the that's get a pick. That, that's more yes, him being restricted. But odds are, just since you bring that up, odds are if he is restricted, they're going to put that first round tender on him. Anyone touching him for a first rounder? <laughs> well, well, James, think about it. Think of the value of backup quarterback. You just saw Nick Foles do oh, it. Don't I do mean, it. you have to pay these guys four million dollars, and you're better off keeping them. Oh God, I can't believe you just did that. Can you but, sense the sarcasm? Oh, I can. Thanks, Mike Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Joe. Uh, I did. That's Joe Goodberry. Good stuff from him, as always. He joined me on ESPN 1530 earlier today, and that's uh, really good stuff from Joe. Figured I'd play that for you here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Here's what I do know as far as LockedOnBengals.com goes. Because I promised you player evaluations. I promised you in-depth articles. And I plan on delivering that. I have a new writer, LockedOnBengals.com. He's a former Cincinnati Bearcat football player. He's now a football coach. And he's now a contributor to LockedOnBengals.com. Solomon Tetman has joined the team. And he is now uh, in the middle of posting. I will edit him tonight. But we will have evaluations on some offensive linemen posted to LockedOnBengals.com tomorrow. So if you haven't done it yet, if you haven't bookmarked LockedOnBengals.com, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet, do it. Because not only are we going to have Joe Goodberry every week, we're going to have a former college football, college athlete on every week. 
a, a guy who coaches, a guy who watches the game, a guy who's breaking down the film. And that way we're going to get multiple perspectives. We're going to get multiple ideas. We're going to get differing opinions. And that is what's going to make this the most fun you've had listening to a Bengals podcast, the most fun I've had hosting one. So make sure you keep it locked right here. Subscribe, LockedOnBengals.com. Again, it's on Google Play, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Wherever you get your podcast, make sure you check out Zim's new article at LockedOnBengals.com. Also, Joel's new article, LockedOnBengals.com, because Joel Chandler also made his debut yesterday for LockedOnBengals.com as we continue to add to our nice group of writers, our growing group of writers uh, here at Locked on Bengals. You can email me at J- or James Erpin at ESPN1530.com. I always enjoy reading your emails. And until tomorrow when we will have our music back, I'm James Erpin. Thank you so much for listening to the Locked on Bengals podcast.